This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. The liberal pre-election budget comes down just after 4 p.m. today, and this after a week of pricey promises from the government, prompting the opposition to dub this the Oprah budget. You get one, and you get one, and you get one. Well, a number of these promises are related to health care, but will they work to fulfill the big ask from the Ontario Medical Association, which is reducing wait times? You've probably uh, heard the ads. Uh, I would like to hear from you if you have been waiting for a certain procedure or to get into a a long-term care home or, or a loved one is facing that issue. The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And right now we are going to the Ontario Medical Association President, Dr. Sean Watley. Hi, Sean. Hi, Libby. Thanks for having me back. You're welcome. Uh, so what do you think? I mean, it seems to me that often, you know, these uh, promises are made kind of in each little separate silo or bucket of the healthcare system. And is that going to help to reduce wait times? Well, I think one thing that um, these handouts mean to me is that the Liberal government is hearing our message saying this really is important. And they're hearing that, they're hearing from voters that, you know, wait times are just intolerable. And so they're thinking, gee whiz, we better do something or this is going to be a make it or break it issue for the election. And that's exactly what we want to see happening. We've got a platform that we handed out to every single MPP in the province. We uh, custom wrapped it with a with a leaflet showing the wait times in their area. So, for example, yesterday at the press conference, I was holding up the copy that we gave to uh, Kathleen Wynne, showing that the wait time for cataract surgery in her riding is 233 days. And and this is uh, this crosses all stakeholders. This is not just about doctors. This is about the healthcare system in general. So, when you think of 12,000 children and youth currently on wait lists for mental health care lasting up to 18 months, 12,000 patients waiting 18 months. I mean, that, that's intolerable. So I think uh, we need a commitment from all um, elected representatives to make health care a priority this election. Um, I, I think that uh, they would all probably say that they are. But so my question always is, is just uh, throwing money at these problems, is that how you solve them? No, absolutely not. I mean, money is part of it. But uh, and we've we've chatted and you, that's a great question, Libby. And, you, and, and you've touched on that before. We need integration of care. We need coordination of care. I mean, the reason, a big reason that uh, our hospitals are, are over full is because someone made a decision to keep cutting beds. We had 33,000 beds in 1990, and now we're down to 18,500. That's not purely an issue of money. That just means money's being spent somewhere else. Obviously, money's involved, but there's an issue of coordination, flow through the hospital, 
Um, it, there's there's a whole bunch of things involved. Look at the long-term care bed crisis. Uh, there's a 149-day wait to get a long-term care bed in Ontario. Certain jurisdictions, such as Ottawa, the wait is up to two and a half years. That's not simply money. It's about coordination of care. It's about working together. We need a government. Whoever forms government in June 7th needs to commit to working with the frontline doctors, nurses, and other healthcare providers to hammer out solutions to this crisis. And uh, do you feel that uh, you've been ignored over the course of the mandates of this government? Oh, <laughs> that's a loaded question. Don't get me started. I mean, we've been heckled in the legislature, slandered in the media, and ignored for multiple pieces of legislation. Uh, but we really can't dwell on the past. We have to keep fighting to make health care a priority. Not just, I mean, this isn't about doctors, right? As far as our contract goes, that's already gone to arbitration. So anything we're doing right now, really, uh, this won't impact the government to go one way or the other as far as doctors are concerned. Because our contract talks... I've gone to arbitration. Now it's up to the Board of Arbitration, and they're not impacted by ads and, and uh, campaigns. This is about health care for every single patient in the province. We need health care to be a priority in this election. I believe this is once in a generation, right? We know that by 2041, one in four Ontarians are going to be over the age of 65. We simply can't wait a second longer to make this change to, to improve health care. And patients can't wait a second longer. I mean, we, we, we can't appreciate how much pain and suffering patients go through waiting you know, two years for a hip replacement. It's egregious. Um, do you think that the promises we've seen over the last week, which include uh, mental health and, uh, well, uh, child care isn't relevant and, and an increase in pharmacare, do those address, and, and the hospital increases, do those address what you see as the most pressing problems? Well, certainly they're touching on some of the hotspot issues, absolutely. But this is going to take a lot more than a Band-Aid just before an election. I mean, this takes a full court press. We have to sit down and work this out. And um, handing out a few hundred million dollars for one year right before the election. I mean, again, it's nice to see that people are recognizing that these are crucial issues. But um, after 14 years of of a rough time in Ontario, uh, I would like to see a little bit more commitment with a little, a few more specifics on how exactly we're going to hammer out these problems. Okay, uh, let's hear from Joy in Niagara Falls. Hello, Joy. Hi. You're on the air. Please go ahead. Hello. Hello, yes. Um, I just want to comment on that cataract surgery thing. Go ahead. Um, from my appointment with the actual surgeon, my surgery was one year plus a bit. Wow. Wow. Well in, well in Ontario. The only reason I got in in August was because someone had a stroke and they had a, va- they had a vacancy and I had like a, a, a minute to make a decision to accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was after waiting for over a year? It was, but yeah, well, no, but, but it was August. So it was originally scheduled for that September, so I got in one month early. Wow. So really 11 months. Wow. wow. And are you, are you okay now, Joy? Yeah, I had both done within the two months. Oh, good. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm I'm still afraid about this this test that I have to take to get it to get the wearing glasses off my driver's license because I don't. What if I go take that test and they say, well, no, you can't, you don't pass. What am I going to do then? 
Oh, I think you're going to be good. You, you just take that test and, uh, you know, 99% of people do really well after uh, cataract surgery. Okay. I think you're going to be, yeah. I drive without glasses, but I'm just afraid of the test. So you think I should just go cast it? I, oh, you're going to pass. I, I, oh. I, I bet you money on that, that you'll probably pass it. I mean, nothing in life is guaranteed, but um, that, that's a pretty, pretty safe standard procedure. How do you feel now? Oh, the first surgery was very bad. It, it, my eyesight was very bad. But the second surgery, no problem. Brilliant. I was driving within a day. The first one I didn't drive like for four or five days. Well, it sounds like uh, at least when you finally got the procedure you needed, it worked out well, but that yeah. that is a very long wait. Thank you for sharing that with yes. us. Okay, thank you. Okay, yeah. let's go to uh, Jan in Guelph. Hello, Jan. Hello, Libby. <laughs> Happy Easter, quickly. Thank uh, you. I just want to know why we have to wait for a bed. Is it because there aren't enough hospitals to put the beds in? I just want to know the reason why we have to wait such a long time. No, I don't think the problem is the hospitals, but I'll let Sean answer. Thank you. Well, great question, Jan. And and really, that's a very complicated question that she asked. So if you're looking, for example, um, for mental health care beds, uh, the the wait time to get, um, let's say you have an acute mental health illness and you need to get a bed inside of uh, an acute care hospital, your wait time is up to six days and it's usually spent in an emergency department. If you're looking for a bed in an, in a long-term care home, uh, the wait is up to 149 days, and a big part of that is capacity. So, um, it, you know, we could, we could make this simply an issue of we don't have enough beds, but that would make it too simple. So I've said already that the number of acute care beds have been cut. 1990, we had 30,000. Last year, we had 18,500. And yet the population has grown by 36%. And don't forget that there are a lot of uh, people in what we call alternate care, people who, uh, you know, should be out of the hospital, would be better off out of the hospital, but they don't have anywhere to go because, again, there aren't enough of those long-term care beds. Brilliant. Yeah, you're right on. So 30% of admitted patients in hospitals at, at any one time could be ALC or alternate level of care, so better cared for uh, in a nursing care home for sure. But you have to think about the community supports that could be there that where people may not need long-term care, but yet they're too sick to actually be at home on their own. So so it's a a whole system approach that we need to take. Um, More beds definitely would help, though. Okay, uh, Jerry in Toronto. Hi, Jerry. Hello. Yes, I'm, I'm calling in regards to uh, my sweetheart. She uh, passed away uh, over Christmas holidays. So sorry to hear that. Yeah, mm. and she was admitted to St. Mike's Hospital. She had been in there in the beginning of December, and they discharged her on, uh, I think it was the 11th or 12th. She was in advanced stages of diabetes. And uh, she was supposed to have, like, a PSW worker and uh, medical support, and she wasn't getting the proper support and she was being prescribed inappropriate medicine uh the p the psw worker had appointed a a a separate doctor from her doctor from saint mike's and she was on 11 different pills and uh i i discussed some of the issues with the doctor that was in charge of the internal medicine team at saint mike's and told them that she had cardiac arrest problems but he refused to listen to me and said he was going along with the program that the uh, previous uh, doctor had told them or whatever. And um, she was supposed to be put in a, um, some kind of medical support home or something. 
and I tried to get her into a place called O'Neill House at Christie and Bloor, uh, which had a really good support. They had kidney dialysis. Uh, there was 11 uh, staff on board. And um, they said they had like 500 people on the waiting list. The uh, organization that was supposedly taking care of her wanted to put her in Fudger House, which had 300 people on the waiting list. And when I did some research on some of the care homes, uh, Fudger House wasn't uh, classified as a very good one. Uh, but the organization that was in charge of her, uh, the Fred Victor, they they uh, were, were trying to get her into this place, and she didn't want to go. Uh, Jerry, uh, they forced her. I, Jerry, they forced I, her. I'm, re- I'm really sorry. We have about a minute left, so I'd, I'd like to get Sean's response to that. I mean, it sounds like a, a, a terrible thing that you had to go through. Um, yeah, so- I'm trying to get some uh, internal uh, investigation now. Okay, through look, the Ministry of Health. Okay, um, uh, thanks for telling us about that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll have another opportunity, but um, let's get uh, Sean to uh, respond to that before uh, we yeah. are vamoose okay. here. Thanks, Jerry. Well, thank, thank you, Libby, and thank you, Jerry, for, for that, for calling in. Oh, my goodness, like, our, our hearts go out to you for sure. And, and this is a real-life case of what we hear all the time on the front lines of care. You know, you, you, you hear these heartbreaking stories of people doing everything they possibly can. They're on a wait list here and a wait list there. And, and just to say, you know, diabetes is a serious illness. We, it's so common now, and, and people live so long with diabetes, we think, okay, you know, it's, it's just diabetes. It's not just diabetes. This is a serious issue. It's a massive healthcare burden in our society right now. In the old days, you may have passed away in your 40s. Now people are living, you know, 80s and 90s with bad diabetes, and on all these medications keep them going. But this, this is the sort of thing that we have to pay attention. I think we need to put patients right at the center of every solution that we try to come up with. And and these patient stories should drive us. I mean, this is what drives us on the front lines of care. And I hope that our elected officials are hearing more of these stories. Well, uh, Sean Watley, Dr. Sean Watley, thank you so much for that. And uh, I am hoping that we will talk to someone from uh, the Ontario Medical Association tomorrow after the budget to uh, get a little grading on it. Absolutely. I apologize. I'm, I'm in a, a, a conference with actually I'm listening to the to the to the premier speak tomorrow at that time but we're going to get someone for you and and it's going to be great okay thanks a lot thanks Libby bye-bye bye and we now break for traffic and news you're listening to an exclusive podcast of fight back on zoomer radio heard weekdays from noon to one you're listening to an exclusive podcast of fight back on zoomer radio heard weekdays from noon to one you're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.